The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of the Lord. My brothers and sisters, what do you say when you've beat someone in a game? What happens when you're playing a game of maybe chess or maybe a game of Uno and you beat the other person? What do you say after that? Do you extend your hand, say, hey, good job, good match, nice try? Maybe it depends on who you're playing against. Maybe if you're the older brother and you're playing a game with your younger sibling, your younger sister, maybe you're nice to them be like, hey, that was a nice try. Maybe you'll get me next time when you're older. But if you're the little sister who's just beat your big brother in a game, you are going to go nuts, and you are never going to let him forget that, right? I beat you. I'm better than you. I'm never letting you forget that. Sometimes a lot of people will say to athletes, like on football or during the NFL, that the athletes should act like they've been there when they've scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal or scored a point in a basketball game or something. What I'm going to suggest to you this morning is that in this very specific instance, I want you to gloat. Boast like you have done something that can never be replicated and something that can never, ever be taken away from you. Because that's what God has given the confidence for you to do. What we're going to talk about in our sermon is based on the verses 18 to 19 here in our text. What we're going to do is I want to go through the events that took place on for this doctrine, the Christ descent into hell. I want to review the events for you. But then also I want to tell you why you can say confidently and evangelically, you can say to the devil to go to hell and you can stay there. Sound good? So rewind back with me back to Easter week and go back to Good Friday. And that is where Christ was put on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And then he was laid in a tomb Put, uh, linens were wrapped around his body. Stone was rolled in front of the tomb. And he was laid there. And he stayed there for three days. And then Sunday, suddenly, Christ's spirit was united with his body. And then in an instant, he descended into hell. And that's hell. Now, some, some theologians are going to try and tell you that it's, it's something different. They're going to try and soften it a little bit. Like, maybe it's just the, the realm of the spiritual beings. Maybe it's just, like, they're in a holding pattern or something like that. Or they're going to say, it's, it's Hades, but it's not exactly hell. But I, I don't want to lie to you. 
where Christ ascended was to hell. It was to those people who spurned the loving mercy of their God. Christ ascended into hell where those unbelievers who died in the flood that took the world from a population of millions down to about eight, he went and made proclamation to those people. Christ descended into hell to make proclamation to the unbelievers who thought that they had a better idea of how the world should work, a better idea of how they thought they should live in this world. And everything we, about, we read about hell in the Bible is terrifying. It's fire. It's gnashing of teeth. It's darkness. It's eternal separation from the love and grace of God, something that I can't even quantify because I don't know a life without all of these blessings, the love and grace of God. So why is Peter telling us all this? What Peter's doing is he's preparing his believers to suffer. Imagine doing an evangelism in this context for a second. What these believers are going to face in just a few short moments after they they realize what the Holy Spirit has worked in their lives and the faith that Christ has died for their sins and will take them to heaven. They realize that once they take this on, once they take on this name as being a Christian, that everything is going to change for them. And their lives are going to be at risk. Now that isn't exactly like the urgency or the context that we have our evangelism team meetings here in New York City. But for Peter's believers, this is what they are going to face. And Peter's reminded of the suffering and the persecution that they're going to face in their life. And the first thing that Peter thinks of on how to be able to encourage them is to remind them of Christ's suffering. And he wants them to keep the focus that because all of the suffering that they're going to endure in this life is just for a moment. Because Christ went down, descended into hell, and already suffered the eternal punishment for us on the cross We don't have to face that punishment either. Peter's reminding them to keep the focus that all of Christ's enemies are his footstool. His foot is on their necks. There's nothing that they can do to get to these believers and be snatched out of God's loving, gracious hand. And that's exactly why Christ descended into hell, to make proclamation to these unbelievers. Now, a lot of people get this wrong. They'll, a lot of people get this wrong on what Christ did when he went down to make proclamation and what exactly he preached down there so, and why he went down into hell. There's, there's three main cases where they usually get revolved into. The first one is that Christ went down to suffer in hell for us, as if he didn't already suffer enough on the cross, that he needs to suffer some more. A second option that usually happens is that People think that Christ went down and he descended into hell so that he could talk to the spirits that were in some sort of a spiritual pattern. Maybe they were in a limbo of sorts, or maybe they were, they're kind of like the airplanes that can't land in LaGuardia or JFK, so they need to do a couple rotations around the airport before they can actually land and descend. Some people think, try and explain it away that way. A third one that usually comes out is that Christ went down to descend into hell to be able to proclaim and preach to these believers so that they could have a second chance. Once they realize kind of what they've gotten into here in hell with the fire and the gnashing of teeth and darkness and decide, man, I wish someone had told me ahead of time about all of this so Christ can go 
and preach to them and give them a second chance. But that's not what happened. What Christ did is he descended into hell and he went down with one clear message. You lost and I won. There's this book out there. It's, it's pretty old. It's from the 6th century. It's called The Art of War. How many of you have heard of this? It's a classic. It really is a classic. It's by Sun Zhu, and it's about military strategy. It's a classic, and a lot of people consider it to be the best ever on, on its subject of military strategy and war. And a lot of people take the principles that's in this book and apply it to other areas of life. Like they think about how to, how to plan out your life or for career planning. They'll think about it for business or they'll think about it for politics and how to get ahead and take an advantage. What Zun teaches us is how to fight, but he doesn't teach you how to act afterwards. But Jesus does. He teaches us how to act back act afterwards but actually he's a better teacher on how to fight also because what jesus teaches us and tells us is that he is the one who goes to battle for us he's delivered us from death and he suffered for us on the cross and he won this battle so that i don't have to win this battle on my own by faith i have this victory over the devil He solved our biggest problem in our sin and that cannot be snatched and that cannot be taken away from us because of what Christ did on the cross for us. He won and we win also. For a bunch of different reasons that we don't have to get into, New York City has not seen a championship parade for their sports teams in, I think, since the Giants in Super Bowl 46, if that's right, like maybe 2011. I want to remind you kind of what a championship parade looks like this morning. What normally happens is they grab a huge, like, double-decker bus or something. They'll grab the whole team, the front office, their family, their friends, executives, and they'll go through the town with their trophy raised high. Maybe they'll have some drinks. Maybe they'll have some confetti. But they'll raise their trophies high and they'll say, we are the victors. We are the best. There is nothing that could ever get better than this. Imagine that as what Christ did, but better, when he descended into hell. He went down as a victor, not a victim, something that he had to do out of circumstance. He went down as a victor to proclaim a certain message that I win and you lost. He's saying that I won the cosmic and spiritual battle that separated us from our sin. I smashed Satan's head. I destroyed, I ruptured, I ended the separation for my believers and my God. Christ went to hell to rub it in the devil's face. And we can join in on this championship parade too. Christ's descent into hell is a gospel moment. Think about this. There is, there is nothing that has been untouched by the gospel. And that means your thoughts as well. You can be confident and you can take this championship parade that Christ did in his descent into hell. And you can use that as constant reassurance when the devil tries to slinker into your thoughts, when anxiety comes in, when despair comes in, when depression comes in. 
when there's moments where the devil tries to feed you the big lie that he tries to feed every believer, that God can't love you, that God couldn't want anything to do with anything to do with you, that God couldn't want to save someone like you, that God couldn't want to use someone like you. Peter is writing to his believers, and he's writing to us today too, to understand that no matter what we go through, no matter what situation we face, no matter what kind of suffering seems like it's all-encompassing and everything is just falling down around us, we have this confidence that we can take with us for the rest of our lives, that Christ is one, and because of that, we are involved with that. Christ has won and is winning. He hasn't let go. He never will. And he's been everywhere to tell people exactly that. He smashed Satan. He's won. And so have we. One more sports example. If you don't like sports, you're not going to like my sermon. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. But back in 2021, the Milwaukee Bucks were playing the Phoenix Suns in the 2021 NBA Finals. And the Milwaukee Bucks dropped their first two games badly. I think they lost by 40 after game two. So then the press was all ready to jump on the Bucks, crown the Suns the champions, and the Bucks brought two of their best players. His name was their names were Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And the press started getting after him and about how like this season might be over, how it might end. And Chris and Drew just laughed. They were confident. They were certain. They weren't worried that they were down 2-0 in a best of seven series. They were ready to go. And there was a radio host around Milwaukee. His name was Bart Winkler. He said, I'm taking this. And I know exactly what I'm going to do. So what he did is he went down to Wisconsin Avenue where they had already started marketing out where the championship parade was going to be in downtown Milwaukee. And what he did is he took some folding chairs, set them down where he wanted to see the champions be, and marked it off and put a sign that said, do not remove until the Bucks win the championship. And they did. And guess where Bart sat? Right where he had planted his chairs to be. That's the confidence that Christ has given you. To mark out your spot, to be able to watch the championship parade when he comes back again. You can have the encouragement to gloat, to boast. Like this is something that can never again and something that can never be taken away from you. You can say confidently to the devil to go to hell and stay there. Because that's all the farther your temptations and your taunts can you get to me. I'm Christ. And I've got my spot picked out for when he comes again for his championship parade. Amen.